Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. Hello and welcome. And it is my divine pleasure, and I do mean that sincerely, to bring this radio show to you each and every week and to bring Spirit Seeker Magazine to you each and every month for over 20 years. We have been published online since 1998, which was way ahead of... uh, you know, the publishing industry being online, and we continue to grow and evolve. We have a weekly email newsletter. We also have, um, as, as you just heard, the weekly radio show. Now, I'm going to do all my announcements up front. If you would like to know about um, different mind, body, spirit activities, uh, events, and happenings, and that's with music, arts, anything to do with spirituality, then please, please send us an email to info, I-N-F-O, at spiritseeker.com, asking to be added to our email list. And then we will let you know, you know who the guests are on the radio show, when the magazine is online, and we also um, let you know about other events. So we were just at the UFO conference in Arkansas. We will be at the Global Pyramid Conference coming up in Chicago in May. We'll be at the Afterlife Conference in St. Louis in May. We'll be at the Body, Mind, Spirit Expo in Tinley Park, which is Chicago, coming up. We'll be at BhaktiFest in um, northern uh, Illinois and Chicago. So we have all kinds of different events besides the usual um, Spirit Seeker um, you know, events that you read about in the magazine. So we, the magazine's at all of those events, and we sponsor many different um, artistic, musical, and mind-body-spirit events throughout the Midwest. Okay, so the other thing uh, that is nice about being added to that sacrosanct email list is that we do periodic drawings for books and DVDs and CDs because we review as many books as we can, and that's the topic of tonight, by the way. Um, but we review as many books and uh, CDs and DVDs as we possibly can. The print magazine is in Chicago, St. Louis, Kansas City, and Indianapolis. Well, not Indianapolis, but part of Indiana. Um, but as I said, we've been published online since 1998. So most of our younger readers are green. Um, they know that the magazine's always online uh, that first day. But when you're added to our sacrosanct email list, we do periodic drawings for those books that arrive at Spirit Seeker and the DVDs and the CDs because guess what? I can't possibly, I'd have a library that would fill my whole house. So know that you will be eligible for those drawings. Okay, so I think that is it. Those are all the announcements. Okay, so tonight... I am delighted to have um, Karen Stuth as my guest. She is the co-founder and co-owner of Satyama LLC, and we'll be talking a little bit about that. But mainly tonight we are talking about Satyama Writer's Resource, which is a service mark of Satyama. And, um, you know, Karen, Karen is going to come on. She'll tell us all about what Satyama is, you know, how it came to be, um, and then also answer questions. You know, the whole thing is that, um, you know, as she's, she says that, you know, she's a resource, bring forth that book within you. And um, so any questions you have, this is the perfect time to ask them. And uh, Karen, welcome to the call. Thank you so much. I'm just delighted to be here. Well, and this has been a journey for you. I mean, you've been you know, working with Satyama and working with the different authors and helping the different uh, people bring their products and uh, and whatnot to the forefront. So you're working working at it behind the scenes with the authors. Once they're established authors, you're getting, you know, them out in the world, so to speak. And, you know, so what is this like for you? What is a normal day like for you? I'm just curious. Well, it's completely crazy. <laughs> no two days are the same, which is uh, both good and bad, but... Um, you know, working with um, authors and product developers, musicians, um, anybody that's looking to bring forward their uh, the fruit of their creativity is, you know, the most exciting work that anyone can do. I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world to 
be able to engage in that every day. But, you know, for myself, I so love books, and I've been, you know, a reader from, you know, the youngest time. Um, my dad read a lot of stories to me when I was a kid, and it certainly um, boosted my interest in stories and books. So I've always, always um, had a lot of books, been fascinated by books, and to be able now to work with uh, writers and authors to bring forward their books. And uh, musicians, you know, we are um, involved in some uh, musical products. Um, I'm working with someone to get their books turned into a screenplay. We're doing a lot of, you know, offshoots of those things, but I think it's where uh, Satyama was always intended to be going. And my sister, Susan, who is my partner, she and I have always um, tried to pay attention to the road that unfolds in front of us instead of, you know, sticking rigidly to a business model or a way of doing things that may or may not be the best thing for for our company. And so, you know, fortunately we've ended up in this this wonderful place where we're publishing our own books and we have, you know, some of the top sellers in the mind, body, spirit uh, space. You know, our company has more than 40 national awards and accolades and and now we've opened this division to help authors and other product developers to bring forward you know into reality the thing that they've been seeking to create and to me that's just the best thing that there is so you know my day it just feels like you know <laughs> i just feel like i'm the luckiest person in the whole world every day well, and you know, there's there. Okay, since I've been in publishing for 20 years, you know, and before that, I worked with many newsletters for different organizations and whatnot. And what I can honestly tell you is that, you know, times are changing. I'm sure you feel it. And, you know, I love that you said call forth the book within. You know, and it's, you know, I think people with the advent of the internet, you know, in 1994, we have a way of collectively coming together. Um, but people still like to hold the magazine in their hands and they like to hold the books in their hands, and I get it. There's nothing like the serendipity of the book itself, and even though e-book sales, um, they certainly peaked around 2007, 2008, you know, and they've been in somewhat of a decline, you know, since that time. Um, And that's been an area where, you know, a lot of authors have, you know, felt like, well, I'll just put my book out in in ebook format, but there are still plenty of people that want to hold that book in their hand. And, you know, um, our uh, books in hard copy format certainly surpass all the digital sales that we have, you know, by, by a lot. People really want that book. And when it comes to a children's picture book, for example, nothing replaces that two-page spread um, with a child on your lap reading them the story or having them tell the story to you, um, it's a magical moment. I, I think books are magical, and I personally prefer them in, in hard copy format, although, you know, I definitely have a Kindle account and have plenty <laughs> of these books too. <laughs> but I love, I love hard copy books, and I think oh. you're exactly right. People still want to read them in hard copy. You just want to hold it, touch it, and I'll tell you what, the children's books that I've seen that have come from Satyama, they're they're just gorgeous. They're works of art. <laughs> so, so you know, okay, so my question to you is why do you believe that it is important for each person to tell their story and perhaps turn it into a book? What I mean, this is journaling or telling their story. I mean, the blogs all over the Internet show you that people are interested. I mean, overnight people can become sensations. So, and it's from sharing their story. So what? why do you feel this is so important more than ever in 2016? Well, I just um, honestly believe that we all have a story worth telling. We really do, you know, that nobody's life is uninteresting. Your life is deeply interesting to many other people out there who may not yet know your story. Um, you may have a story that's a fictionalized version of your life or just a work of fiction um, that that you'd like to tell, but each of those stories is important because they came from you, because you were the uh, inception of that, and each of us is a visionary with an important message, and 
uh, to be able to start writing that down in any format, whether it's, you know, as a book, as a song um, that you, you draw it into a picture, uh, that is part of your soul path to bring forward that work of creativity to share with other people because not only will they benefit from it, but you'll benefit from the creation and the telling. Um, and to be able to recognize your own life as a fascinating story and your own journey as something that's important also supplies you with a sense of architecture about where you started, where you are now, and where you're going. And a lot of people that feel that they're wandering aimlessly through their life, in fact, are not, um, if they would just sit down and start writing down their story, they'd be surprised. And it happens all the time. I always tell people, start by journaling, and your book or your story or your tale or your creation will come from there. You know, it's really fascinating. I once interviewed Julia Cameron, who oh. was the... Uh, yes, I know. And, you know, <laughs> the artist way in 1994 was like my my little book that I carried with me, I was taking a 30-day training in Connecticut at the time in order to bring the breathwork trainings that um, at that time I was very involved in and teaching weekends and et cetera. So we had to take a 30-day program from, with people from all over the world and get processed every single day and do breath work every single day for 30 days, you can imagine. Okay, so I was sure. in this farmhouse renting a room with um, – three other different people that were in the same program, and I could not find that book anywhere in St. Louis before I left, but I found it in this little tiny bookstore in Woodbury, Connecticut. So that whole month, I did The Artist's Way. So in the morning, everyone knew that until I had written my morning pages, I would not be talking because that was one of the assignments, is you didn't engage in conversation until you had... Um, gone from the dream state to putting down your your morning pages. So when I interviewed Julia Cameron, what I found fascinating is that she never intended that to be a book. She was just working with exercises on journaling and all this other stuff, and she shared it with someone. And they're like, "That should I think it was actually her boyfriend at the time." And the, and the, and so she was practicing some of the exercises with either a boyfriend or a friend. And someone said that should be a book, and that's how that book came to be. It was like all these note cards with all these different exercises, and then she put it together and came out with that book. Well, and uh, that's a perfect example of someone who's. Uh, soul path or mission whether they recognize it or not was to uh, put that message into fruition to share with everyone else Um, uh, some of the manuscripts that are presented to us you know since we published our first uh, product which was actually children's spirit animal cards it was actually a deck of cards before we started uh, publishing books you know since that time we received uh, manuscripts by the dozens and one of the reasons I started Satyama Writers Resources because I was frustrated that we could not publish all those books, which were so wonderful, and they just came from everywhere. Uh, one book that I'm uh, thinking of in particular was about a person's uh, college journey, you know, the person they were going in to college, everything that happened to them, you know, um, their choices, the people they met, how they formed, and, you know, the person that they were walking out. And, you know, you may think, well, that happens to everyone, but it was, you know, in the telling, um, their story was unbelievably fascinating, and I hope that book does get published because everybody going to college should read it. And another story that was recently um, sent to me was a story about a woman's grandparents and their incredibly unique um, story uh, growing up in Central America, and that's another one that I just hope so much um, gets published, and I uh, think she's going to come back and work with us at Satyama Writer's Resource, and, you know, that, that book is transcendent, and I can't imagine not bringing it forward into the world. I think everyone has a fascinating story to tell, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, autobiographical, it doesn't matter what kind of uh, story or work it is. You know, we all have a voice, and getting our voice out there is is just important that we grow personally, we help other people to grow personally. And as I said, 
you may find that you have an architecture to your life that you never recognized before, and that um, can bring forward a sense of purpose that maybe that person didn't have before. You know, words are so incredibly powerful, and you know that that um, story that you're talking about. You know, the young young person going off to college. I mean, how many parents, you know, are like, I don't know what to expect. You know, I mean, even if even if you have been to college yourself, you know, it's different in 2016, and um, I would think that would just be a manual, like an uh, a parent's guide, or an you know, the, I, as much as I hate those books, Idiot's Guide too. They really do like take information and let people like understand it so can you imagine a parent's guide or a student's guide to what the first year looks like because in college because there's so many unknowns I mean my youngest is just finishing his first year of college and when I look back you know to a year ago and now it's like night and day if anyone had told me that he would have like you know the success that he's had a year ago I would have been like are you kidding (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, not in a bad way, but it was kind of like, oh, so, you know, that would be a great book. And, you know, I just want to mention some of the services that Satyama Writers Resource offers. And then you chip, you know, chime in wherever. But you work with writing and publishing, and you offer courses like virtual one-on-one workshops with writers. You work with writer coaching, uh, doing editorial assessment and editing, which Oh, my gosh, that in and of itself is a business. And you also work with book and cover design, illustration, and file preparation um, so that they actually know what format to put everything in before, you know. Um, I mean, a lot of writers just really don't know where to begin or what to do with it. They have, I mean, Wayne Dyer wrote every book handwritten until even his last one was handwritten. He handwrote all of his books. Can I mean, he just... That's how we did it. Um, but you also work with navigating crowdfunding and the production process and marketing, selling, and distributing your book, which so many authors, in my experience, think that once the book's done, that's it, and they get a publishing house, and that's it. And we both know that that is just simply not the case at all. So you talk about wherever you want to go. You also have a virtual um, – Satyama itself has a virtual meditation hall. You have a library of articles, podcasts, videos. You have products for sale. You have you do a lot of beautiful things for people. But, but oh, let's, thank let's, you so much. <laughs> well, you do. I mean, you can feel it in, in, your, um, in your enthusiasm for what you're doing. But, you know, let's just talk about um, – and, and listeners, if you have a question, all you have to do is press 1 on your phone, and then I will um, bring you on in just a few minutes. We'll take questions from you. But just, you know, push 1 pound, and that will let me know that you have a question for Karen. But, Karen, you know, what is – you know, Santiago Radius Resource, you kind of explained how it came to be, but – what do you feel the greatest need is right now, or how to how, just just act like I'm a novice writer? I I've always wanted to write my book. So how would you start to guide me? Well, I would um, uh, first I'd find out you know where your manuscript is you know in process. I mean, is the manuscript in your opinion finished? And if it's not finished, are you looking for someone to mentor you? along to get the book finished because we definitely work with writers that way as well, whether the um, manuscript is done or people are having trouble pulling a manuscript together. Even if they have a concept for a book and they need somebody to work with them, we do um, all forms of uh, mentoring. We do the nine levels of editing um, that, you know, are available. Um, And each one of those uh, types of editing is Oh, important. Uh, a lot of people think editing is proofreading. It's, that's just one small area of it. Um, I, If you came to me uh, wanting to, um, you say my book is ready, then I would talk to you right away about, you know, whether you're interested in self-publishing or you want to look for a publisher. And depending on, you know, which way you think you want to go, then I would uh, probably try to educate you about that process and, you know, your prospects. Um, If you're thinking of self-publishing, one of the things that we do, I think, is to help people not fall into the pitfalls that self-publishing often presents. You know, one of the 
uh, main things is that, you know, there are many, many printers that call themselves publishers and, in fact, will print your book and maybe they'll put it on a website or maybe they'll put it in their catalog, but then that's it. And they aren't really going to do any marketing for you at all, but most of the big five publishing houses aren't going to do any marketing for you as well. You know that they <clears throat> really don't have the bandwidth to market each individual book. You know, they pay attention to and they give their funds toward uh, titles that catch fire quickly or have well-known authors. So, you know, if you're um, wanting to uh, find a literary agent or work with a publisher, that's like door A. If you want to self-publish and... Um, there are a lot of reports coming out now that self-published authors are making more than authors through the big publishing companies. But you have to be careful about that. Then I would talk to you about the pitfalls of self-publishing and whether you're, um, the company that you're thinking of getting your books from is, you know, what, what kind of company is that? There are print-on-demand companies. Uh, there are what I call vanity presses, and vanity presses will take your book and they'll make it very beautiful, and uh, they might offer to publish between 10 and 50 copies for you. You can order as many copies as you want. They're essentially a printer, but you know one of the hallmarks of a vanity press is that the copies tend to be very expensive. They could be $75 each. You know, because right. people are only looking to just have that book in tangible format, and they don't really care about producing it at a price that allows them to market it. Um, print-on-demand companies have their own challenges. Most print-on-demand companies are going to own your ISBN, so they actually own your, <laughs> they actually own your book, oh and you're going to be buying the book from them. And some of the biggest print-on-demand companies out there um, and I'll refrain from saying any names, but they will own your ISBN. And if you want to bring out the book yourself in the future, you're actually going to have to create a second edition and get a new ISBN number and start from scratch. Um, most of the, the print-on-demand companies are glad to sell you your book for a price that is so high that you can't really wholesale it yourself. So you're just buying the book at the same price that um, bookstores and other uh, people might uh, pay for it. And that doesn't give you any uh, room to move, essentially. You know, it doesn't allow you to do much self-marketing because your hands are tied by that uh, price per unit, and that's a, a problem, too. <laughs> so um, when people come wow. to us and they want to self-publish, yeah, it's really <clears throat> one of the unknown things, and I've had a lot of people come to me that are doing print-on-demand through, you know, very, very big names out there, and they don't own their ISBN. I'm not really able to help them unless they're willing to invest the money and time to create a second edition. You know, they can't even get the cover art usually from the company <coughs> that was printing their book. They own the cover art, and they may even have to pay them to market it. So, um what we help people do is print their own books, and generally most of our printing occurs in China. And sometimes this horrifies people because they think, what, you're offshoring your uh, production? But we absolutely are uh, for this reason. Um, outside the United States uh, exist many countries where they do printing uh, very, very well. They print beautiful books. You've seen the books that we um, have printed ourselves, and you know how utterly beautiful they are. Well, one of the things that uh, we know about our books printed in China is that they are made on, with forest sustainable paper. You can't get a forest sustainable certification generally from a print-on-demand company or a uh, printer in the United States. If you pay for recycled paper or something like that, um, in the U.S., then the price per unit is going to go up so high that you may not be able to hardly do anything. But bringing a book into the United States, uh, you must comply with um, the Code of Federal Regulations, which requires that people printing books outside the United States provide documentation to customs when we bring the book in, proving that our book is made from forest sustainable paper. And we get that documentation 
um, from our printers in China who do just an amazing job. The color saturation is beautiful. Um, the paper is silky. Um, it's generally a polymer um, wood pulp mix. So these are pages that you know can stand the test of time. They don't tear very easily. Um, they have a beautiful um, soft quality to them. They're all hardcover. We don't print anything in softcover because many librarians don't want to really carry uh, softcovers in their library, especially if a book is self-published. They know that that softcover and the paper inside is not of the best quality, so it's not going to last very long in their collection. So we print books and we encourage people and help people through Satyama Writers Resource to print books you know, of a quality so that 50 years later it's still on the shelf in the library and it still looks great. <laughs> it's still I understand. Yeah. yeah. One of my first jobs, you know, when I look at, when I look, okay, first of all, when I was a kid, I had a library card before I could probably, like, I, before I was even in school because my parents would take my older brother and me to the library and drop us off because they had movies and, you know, you could, you could, uh, they would limit you to a certain number of books. And I was always annoyed at that because by the time I would go back the next week, I would have read all of them. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, why can't we have more? And I love the bookmobile that came, you know, I'd have to walk a mile to get to the bookmobile when we moved to this new house and we didn't get to go to the library anymore. It just wasn't conducive, you know, with six kids in the family. But, you know, I would walk to that library, you know, the bookmobile through the hot summer heat. It didn't matter. I read every book on every saint. I don't know. I was just really drawn to all this stuff as a kid. I was kind of different. But but I, I did that, and then when I was in high school, I worked for B. Dalton Bookseller and just loved my books, absolutely loved my books. And now you'll see me, I go to um, I go to Half Price Books and Goodwill and estate sales, and I'm always looking for the hardcover books because I don't really like paperback books. Never have. Absolutely. You know, I'll, <laughs> it's funny. Well, they um... – uh, people are generally surprised uh, by the pricing, but the pricing is the main reason that we began uh, printing books in China. Plus, I discovered that in the U.S. it's difficult to get a book, your book pages bound in the same factory where they were printed. So often the pages are, you know, they make boxes and they put them on a truck and they send them to the binder and then they go back for the dust jacket and then, uh, finally, they're shipped to you, so the carbon footprint of that is huge compared to one set of boxes that go to the port of Hong Kong or wherever, you know, the country of origin is, and they come by ship, and, you know, we get our books in through the port of Los Angeles, and then they're, you know, brought to us here in Colorado. And, you know, the price per book, including the shipping, is generally comes in at about one-tenth, one-tenth, of the price that people are getting in the U.S. for print-on-demand. That's just absolutely amazing. And, you know, we're part of the global economy, and I know a lot of people yeah. are just, you know, up in arms. But guess what? It works both ways. You know, there's this, that's, you know, that's part of it. Spirit Seeker is actually um, – it's actually designed in India. We we switched to India in 2011. Um, we print in the U.S., but everything is designed in India, and that was because it was either are you going to stay in business or are you going to, um, you know, not be in business. And we switched to full color, and, you know, we, we've had an online reader since 1998, but we still print because people like to hold it in their hands. You know, the, the younger kids – they understand. They, they're. It's a different. And I know about the carbon footprint. I understand everything you're saying. Um, but I think that you are so wise in, 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 you know, advising. It's not all what it looks like, you know. And here you are, in one tenth of the price, able to deliver a beautiful. And I do mean beautiful. The books are beautiful. I've held them in my hands, and they're just the quality is fabulous. I love well, we're white known butterfly. For, um, <laughs> we're known for the quality of our books um, that, you know, many times I have bookstore owners say, you know, whatever you bring out will sell because we know what the quality is going to be. Well, I have my uh, Chinese printers to <laughs> thank for that. 
Um, I really do. But, you know, one of the things that's the most fun is that they have live cams where you can actually watch your books coming off the press and you can watch the women sew at their sewn binding instead of perfect bound or some other uh, kind of binding. So, you know, they're incredibly strong in their lay flat. The children's books are lay flat books. Um, but we can actually watch them um, being made, which I always find so fun. And they do that because um, Americans especially are worried that small children are making the books. And so they're, you know, here to prove that they only employ adults. And they always think that question is really funny, oh, but I know we know where it comes from. But, you know, there are, there are still industries that do use child labor, the printing industry is not one of them. Yeah. Okay, so Karen, um, I want to go back to, um, because we will have listeners, this is the way this works, There's, we have the election thing going on tonight in New York. So a lot of people know oh, they can listen to this later. And, oh, I know, it's, it started right as we started. So, um, so we know, we get statistics on who listens and how many are after hours and how many are live listens, et cetera. So this show continues to go on and on, which is what a virtual blog is, and that's what why it's called Blog Talk Radio. And that's my little advertisement for Blog Talk Radio. Um, at any rate, would you recommend that someone, um, like, what do you, how do you feel about blogs? I know this is a whole different thing, but your your whole thing is to get your story out. So if someone were to say, okay, well, I've been blogging about my topic, and I have this many followers on my blog, etc. What would you recommend to say, you know, and not everyone has that, but but a lot of the publishing houses these days are saying, who's your network? You know, like well, how many exactly Facebook right. friends do you have? How many, what do yes. you have here? What do you have there? It's a whole different ballgame these days. You know, if you present a manuscript to a publishing house, whether yourself or through a literary agent, they are now expecting a marketing uh, campaign to accompany that, demonstrating that you already have a crowd of 60,000 or so in social media that are very active, um, that you have, you know, because most uh, books these days are sold to people, you know, individual crowd, their own um, followers. And if they have enough uh, to interest a publishing house, then the chances of their book being picked up gets higher. But you have to demonstrate what marketing you're going to do, what book tours you're going to do, what advertising you're going to do. You're going to make your own sell sheets. You know, you're going to do flyers. You're going to go from bookstore to bookstore. You're going to be on the radio um, shows like this. Uh, You're going to work practically full-time, if not full-time, to uh, market your book, and then they, they may be interested. So having, you know, having a crowd in the first place is important um, if you're bringing your story out, but it's not an absolute necessity, but I do think it's, it's the difference between, you know, uh, first good first-year sales and not good first-year sales, but there's another part to that as well. Most people don't have the money to print the books, and that's one of the reasons that people often go with print-on-demand because they say, well, they're just going to print the books because they sell them, and so I don't have to, you know, hold inventory or I don't have to... Um, you know, lay out a bunch of money other than the maybe 100 copies I'm going to buy for myself. Um, but there, there is a solution to that, and it's crowdfunding. And we're oh my gosh, quite I, a well, that's where I wanted to go. I wanted to go there next because not everyone understands crowdfunding. But I'm telling you, I'm seeing it more and more and more and more. And there's this. Um, there's this wonderful musician who he's been in yoga studios everywhere. I mean, I love his music. And his new thing is that his music is um, helping cancer victims, or not victims, but people going through the cancer experience. And so his music has been proven to to literally change the brain waves and the immune system in people's bodies. So he he's not going to, like, his usual sources that um, – put his music out. I mean, he's known worldwide for his music. But there I saw it the other day. He's got this crowdfunding thing saying, help bring my new, you know, CD, um, you know, to fruition. And it's like $20,000 or something. And I was like, 
holy cow, what is that all about? So let's let's talk about this new phenomenon. Let's talk about crowdfunding because it's a very misunderstood thing, and a lot of people say, well, I could never ask other people to just give me money, but that's not what you're asking them to do. What crowdfunding truly is, no matter what the product, if it's a book, a film, you know, a new kind of razor, a better mousetrap, um, it is a pre-sales program. And in my opinion, crowdfunding is where your marketing for your book really begins. In fact, you should be able to pre-sell 200 to 500 copies in crowdfunding, not only to help cover your initial cost for printing, marketing, you know, award programs, uh, things that are all the, the extreme basics of bringing out a book, um, but also um, to tell people, my book is here, it's ready, um, you know, pre-order a copy when it gets here, I'll sign it, I'll send it to you. People sell prints of some of the illustrations. Um, some authors offer to write your name in as a character in the book or, or illustrate the book to include your face for a certain level of contribution. Others will include your name in the dedication page. There's all kinds of different perks that um, authors or filmmakers or, you know, other product developers can offer through crowdfunding. But in its essence, it's a pre-sales program, and it is where the marketing begins. And some of the biggest companies in the world are now using crowdfunding. In fact, uh, Indiegogo is a platform that I always recommend oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. Indiegogo is – is the one platform, um, the one true crowdfunding platform. There are other fundraising platforms out there, but I like Indiegogo because if you don't hit your goal, you don't lose everything. So, you know, last time I checked on Kickstarter, if you didn't hit your goal, you got nothing. But on Indiegogo, if you don't hit your goal, you just pay a slightly higher percent to Indiegogo to cover the credit card fees. Um, they have all kinds of other... Uh, tools and things to help people. But for independent filmmakers, absolutely, Indiegogo is the holy grail. If you're not bringing Oh, I know when they're using film. it. Right. Oh, right. my gosh, it's like, yes. I know. It's fabulous because, you know, it's, it works. It absolutely works. And, you know, it's interesting. There's so many things. When I was finishing one of my coaching certifications, there was this guy in my class who said, would you like to see, a, uh, see my book cover? And I'm like, I thought you were still working on your book. He said, I am. He says, but I've got my book cover. He had gone to Fiverr, you know, which Fiverr, Fiverr, whatever you want to call it. He had had his book cover designed. He had, I mean, this guy was something else. He was an IT guy by day, but then he was a uh, a coach in the evenings and weekends. And his whole thing was to get his book published and become a full-time coach and let his day job as a financial planner go. And this guy was so clear, clear as a bell, Karen. He knew that this book, you know, I, I haven't uh, you know, kept in touch with him in the last six months. But, you know, but he had he had the picture of his book. He visualized it. He He saw it. He felt it. I mean... I mean, you know, so so you're a big fan. I wondered how you felt about crowdfunding. And you see it everywhere for everything these days. It's just quite a fascinating I, I concept. It, it's essential. And there's I can't think of really too many other ways to pre-sell 500 copies of a book um, before it even arrives. But, you know, uh, when you ship those 500 copies and they're signed by the author, you know, and then people – um, who uh, pre-purchased a book, you know, they're talking about it to other people. It's an immediate groundswell of buzz around your book that would otherwise take months, if not years, to develop. Um, so I can't um, say enough how important I think that process really is. And there's definitely a way and to do crowdfunding and a way not to do crowdfunding and that's one of the things that we do at Such Hammer Writers Resources to help people get their crowdfunding program out there and you know um, I think that if people knew some of the what I call the awful truths of publishing that's what I was going to ask you you see there's five awful truths we've touched on a little bit of them but let's just review it what are some of the five awful truths I'm sure there's more but the big ones well, I think that, you know, uh, one of the most awful uh, truths surrounding 
publishing is that, you know, as self-publishing is growing because of print-on-demand and, you know, the digitization of uh, printing, you know, so we're seeing more and more and more books come out that are self-published. You know, in 2012, there were more than 391,000 books that were self-published. And, you know, I haven't seen um, stats that agree with each other since that time, but, you know, uh, it's anticipated that for 2016 we may see more than a million new titles that are self-published. But at the same time, um, print book sales that peaked in 2000 have been declining since then, and that's, you know, I use book scan data as my source for that. So, you know, even though more books are being published, uh, book sales are falling, and I... Um, and that is even in in spite of ebook sales. You know, ebook sales uh, leveled off in 2013, so we're seeing some you know shrinkage there as well. So the total. So what do you think that is about? Do you think do you think it's the younger generation, the millennials, or what do you think this is? I just think that um, you know uh, the total book publishing pie itself is not growing. So you have more books out there which are diluting. You know, um, they're diluting everything, and um, yeah, and it's being divided up now between you know digital and print, and so the average sale of a book is shockingly small, and you know getting um, smaller. So, um, you know, of like let's say one thousand business books uh, that are going to be you know that were released in twenty thirteen. Oh, and 2014, I think, was about the same number. Um, you know, only 62 of that of those thousand books are going to sell more than 5,000 copies. You know, that oh, most of them are just going to. Yeah, they're not going to sell too many copies. And you know, it, and so a book has less because you know we have all these books flooding the market. Uh, many of them are are not particularly of great quality. Um, if they weren't vetted by an editor or, you know, someone didn't, you know, help them to be the best version of themselves before they got published. Um, so, you know, most books have less than a 1% chance of being stocked in a bookstore. And, uh, you know, if you have, let's say with business books, um, there's probably a 1,000 or more titles competing for the space that one book takes. And so, you know, you have um, more several hundred thousand business books in print fighting for that one one inch of space in a bookstore. Um, so if you are not employing pre-printing marketing techniques like crowdfunding or building your crowd in the first place, you know, I can't tell you how many authors come to me and they say, oh, I don't want to do all this social media stuff. Well, they don't have a very good chance of selling very many books because they're not willing to organize their support and grow their brand. And all you have to do is look at the last 12 years of um, political campaigns. And, yes. you know, without naming names, because we all know who we're talking about here, there have been elections won. And, you know, I mean – Twitter is one of the fastest ways. I mean, and then, you know, Pinterest, people people laugh about Pinterest, but I'm going to tell you what, people like to see what other people are interested in. And, you know, it's all this, this social media. And, you know, my kids laugh at me. When I started on Facebook, which I don't even remember what year it was, they're like, Mom, how can you be on Facebook? Okay, so I'm going to be 61, and I love Facebook. You know why I love Facebook? Because I connect with people in ways that it just makes it easy. It's like, oh, I'm thinking about that person. I can just send a message, see their face, and connect. And it's like, you know, you can create a page for your book on Facebook, you can create, I mean, and, and they're trying to, of course, Facebook is trying to capture money now. And, you know, you look, I'm not going to name the publishing house, but there is a publishing house that we both know. They must have, like, made it part of all of their author's contracts because they all have sponsored videos, like these videos, 
every single one of the authors, in order to be published by this company now, they have to have these videos, you know, which is yes. kind of interesting. You know, it's in, in India, they've been doing this for years, where there's hyperlinks, you know, where you're reading along, and there's a name for it, and I forget the name of it. You might know of it. But you're reading, a, a, like, say you're reading a book on feng shui, and then all of a sudden you're talking about space clearing with perhaps using sage uh, or sweetgrass, and then all of a sudden there's a link to a video, showing you how to use sage or sweetgrass to clear your space. And this yeah. is like and and this is like the whole thing and then and then oh you you get three free videos or three free something and then after that you cannot get anything more until you sign their email list. And then the other thing that is happening more and more and more is all these um People are coming together and they're doing these free seminars, mm-hmm. free seminars. What they're doing is they're capturing all the emails, and then at the end of those free seminars, they offer you all their products at a discounted rate. But really what it is is like they're collectively coming together and they're putting their synergy and capturing your email list. Oh, yes. It's all about your your identity is your your email. <laughs> a lot I'm sorry. Time, I mean, I don't know why I put a little that on. I, but I, I think that social media is one of the very best ways that an yeah. unknown author, a first-time author, can really get out there. And because generally you're connected in social media to people that have similar interests. So if they have similar interests, they're likely going to be very interested in the book that you wrote. Plus, you wrote right. it, and they know you. So that you know doubles or triples their interest, you know, that authors have to be willing to do the social media thing uh, if they want to sell their book and share their story. And that's what it's about is is sharing your story. But, you know, uh, of the, you know, five awful truths, one of them is definitely that book sales are, you know, very small per average book, that uh, book sales are declining overall as we're seeing the market flooded by these, you know, self-published titles and, you know, how few books make it into an average uh, bookstore, but it's becoming increasingly difficult, you know, to make any one book stand out, and you must be willing um, to do uh, what it takes, you know, to make sure that people know that you have a book. You know, one of the best ways for an author to sell their book is to, to do speaking engagements and go out and talk about the thing that their book is about, you know, uh, maybe they do readings. Maybe they read a portion of it. Um, if it's a children's book, maybe they read the whole thing. Um, maybe they do, uh, you know, workshops related to the topic of their book. But getting out there in person, making that personal connection, is one of the very best ways to make your book stand out. And people must realize one of those awful truths is that more book marketing today is done by authors and not publishers, as I mentioned before. And, you know, uh, publishing houses, traditional publishing houses are expecting to see that marketing plan as a part of the manuscript that's being submitted. You know, if you're not able to produce that, your chances are not Who's your network? Who's your network? Who are you bringing to the table? Right. And then, you know, I I have this uh, client that, I'm not saying names again, but she went to Hawaii and paid a fortune, a fortune to be represented by this company. And then, you know, because it's like, you know, and they're do- and it's a publishing house, but they're doing these writer's workshops all over. And she had no idea. She had no idea. She's like, oh, my gosh, I have to have my own website. I have to have my own blog. I have to have my own daily sayings. She goes, and then I have to deliver the manuscript, and I have to do this. And I looked at her, and I'm like, welcome to the world of publishing in 2016. Yeah, you do. You do. And you paid for this. And guess what? She goes, but I feel like I have to do all the work. I'm like, you know what? You wouldn't know the work to do if you hadn't hired someone to help you. And this same person one time when she was contributing, I'll, I'll never forget it, she was contributing an article for Spirit Seeker, and I told her, 700 words max. 700 mm-hmm. words yeah. max. She submitted a 3,000-word article, and my editor just threw her hands up because this is what people do not get. With articles these days, I mean, I used to publish 
Word articles, 1,500, uh-uh, not today. Mm-mm. They won't read it. They just won't read it. They want to get the essence. They want to get the meat and potatoes. And then if they're interested, they will go out and, you know, buy that book. And so the teaser is to get them captured, you know. I mean, people just, they don't, they just won't do it anymore. I mean, they'll read a book, but, but when it comes to articles, they want it fast. They want it snappy. You know, I mean, my son is 30, and by the time he was 25, he was reading five news sources before he started his his work day, you know. I mean, and he paid for them. I mean, I can remember the first time I saw someone pay for the Wall Street Journal online. I was like, what? Don't you want to have it delivered to your house? I'm like, are you kidding? No, I can, like, snap through it right online. And, you know, so it's it's a different world. You know, it's a different world. And people will pay to hold the book in their hand because, you know, even though even though there's there's the internet, there's still the relationship with the book. And you know, it's I think what you're doing, Karen, is so beautiful. And you know, I know you started out probably not with this in mind. I mean, Satyama. What does Satyama? <laughs> what does Satyama mean, by the way? I just love the name Satyama. Uh, Satyama is a word that we made um, from three concepts. First, the Sanskrit word Sat, which has a lot of different meanings, um, but you know, most often it's translated as the ultimate, the best. Um, the word Satya in the Pali language, the language of Buddhism, means the truth of who you really are. But we started with the word sat, um, which is the beginning of most uh, Sanskrit mantras. And then we added the I am presence of something transcendent or divine, whatever that is for you. We all carry that within us. So the core of our word is I am, satyam. And then we added the ah sound, so we would have three times the ah sound, which is the heart chakra sound. You know, the ah sound is one of the first true vocalized sounds that we make when we're born and um, it is the true heart opening sound so we wanted to have that in there uh, three times uh, for the maximum amount of divine feminine energy that we could pack into one word (laughs) I've always wondered you know and you and your sister are like something to be reckoned with I mean you have such a presence you know both of you you know I can't even imagine what your household was like growing up I mean I I just, because I mean, you're well, both like, books. <laughs> yeah, I, well, and, and it makes sense. You was your dad that read you the stories. I'm sure, you know, I could just see this whole thing. But, you know, but what I know is this, Satyama is a beautiful name. And for listeners, if you're like, how the heck do I spell that? It's S-A-T-I-A-M-A.com, Satyama.com. And there's wonderful, wonderful products that you're, you know, they're they're constantly evolving as, you know, Karen is working with new authors and, and new product, you know, development. There's, but but children is your is your big thing. So let's talk about just we we have about seven more minutes. Um, but Satyama.com. Well, I, I wanted to talk about children's books in general because even though it sounds like that, you know, publishing publishing is a sad story these days. It's truly not because, it's, first of all, if you can be one of the 10% of people that do it right, um, you uh, will be successful. But children's books is an especially sweet spot that, you know, it's the most growing area of book publishing overall, that it actually where other types of book sales are declining. Juvenile books grew nearly 13% just from 2013 to 2014, and they're taking up a bigger percent of the overall bestseller list all the time. So the growth of children's books is actually currently driving the industry. And children are starting to read at a younger age than ever. And they do read ebooks too. So the ebook format is still, you know, very much alive and growing in the children's segment. But I think this is the most interesting thing that eighty percent of young adult books are purchased by adults for themselves. Eighty percent of That's children's fascinating. books, are, isn't it? So you know, if um, you feel like that that could be your medium, it's a good place to look because you can get your story out, your message out. Adults are going to read it to the same extent as children. I, you know, you may or may not have seen our children's spirit animal cards, but. 
I can't really say how many of those decks that we sold. We're on our fifth print run for those now. We're just extremely blessed. But um, most of the phone calls um, that we get here at Satyama when people are ordering by phone instead of online or they're ordering from us instead of buying it at a bookstore or Amazon, and they're available all over the place. But uh, it's not unusual for people to order a copy for their niece or their daughter or their granddaughter and a copy for themselves. <laughs> wow, that is so and sweet. But then, you know, but, but see, my kids grew up, whenever we would be on vacation especially, there would always be like two or three decks of cards with mom. And they would that was one of the highlights of their day was to pull a card. You know, I mean, I know it sounds funny, but we have vacations, though, that's kind of how we do it. You know, it's like, okay, what's the card for the day? And, you know, and I, you know, we're we're publishing the, um, you know, the article in the upcoming May issue about these children's cards by Stephen Farmer. And I'll tell you what, I just looked at the pictures when you sent them and I just went, oh, and we put two of them with the article. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I just could see those cards, and I mean, I can remember the first time I started working with Jamie Sam's, the medicine cards, you know, the medicine, you know, like, I mean, animal totems, that's how I learned about animal totems, was by a deck of cards, and, you know, children learn, children are just so curious, and so it's beautiful that grandma and mom and the child would all three generations have a deck of those cards, I just think that's so sweet. It is It is really wonderful. I don't want anyone uh, listening to be discouraged about, you know, the state of publishing. Um, I think my main message is that, you know, publishing, the world of publishing has changed. That self-publishing is an option, especially if you do it in an intelligent and affordable way. I think that everyone does have an important story to tell, and I hope that, you know, everyone will consider telling their story because some of the most important books that I've read that, you know, Change my developmental path were this someone else's story that I could just so relate to or I could emulate or they were, you know, a mentor for me in some way. So, um, you know, you think of the titles, but yeah, the titles, like I, I remember, remember, I'm okay, you're okay, you know, I mean, okay, oh, yeah. I'm okay, you're okay. I mean, it's like it says it all, you know, and. You know, the Celestine Prophecy, who would have ever dreamed? You know, I remember reading that book, I don't know, I forget what year it was, I think it was 94, 95, somewhere in that window, and I I think it was more like 95, and I remember thinking, I already know all this stuff, how can this be like that big of a deal? And then I was at um, the National Council of Self-Esteem, I was on the the national board at that time, And, and there's Jack Canfield reading it, here's all these top educators, like authors and educators in the school systems throughout the U.S., I looked around at the table and six of the board members were reading it. And I was like, okay, this is like, I need to just shut my (laughs) mouth and be quiet. You know, I mean, it's like, and then I realized it's hitting mainstream, you know, and I mean, that's the whole deal. Someone has an idea and the name is so important. And you, you, um, you work with others on every level. So, okay. So Karen, we have just a couple more minutes. What final words of wisdom do you have for budding authors or people who just feel like they have a story? Well, um, to just start at any point in writing it down, don't try to write the perfect first sentence or arrange it into chapters. Just start writing it down. Even if you start writing it in the middle, you can go back and you can write the beginning later. Um, Write whatever comes to you. Follow your internal guidance um, about what feels important um, if you uh, feel compelled to write something or you're getting information or messages, you know, that's no accident. Write it down. Write down your dreams. Um, you know, everybody, as I have said, is a visionary with an important story to tell. That includes you, Cindy, you know. And <laughs> no, I'm terrible. You, your you makers, children, don't get shoes. Like, just writing my publisher's column, my editor's all, I mean, it is the 19th. She's like, where's your publisher's column? I'm like, I'm sending you the calendar and the final edits. Where's your publisher's column? I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, it's the last thing I do every month, you know. It's just the deal. So. <laughs> but, well, but so I'll call you when I need my help. 
what we find it easy to tell people when they say, oh, how was your day or what did you do yesterday or how was your trip or whatever, is no problem talking about that and telling our story. And, you know, if it's that easy, um, it's that easy to write it down. Oh, my gosh, Karen. Thanks so much for all that you're doing. And listeners, this is Karen Stuth from Satyama.com. That's S-A-T-I-A-M-A.com. They um, have wonderful products for sale, but listen, the writer's resource is the um, the best-kept secret here. So if you know, all you have to do is call, and Karen will guide you from A to Z. And get your book out there. And, you know, I mean, you're just of so much knowledge. So thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. And um, just good luck, and, and we'll stay in touch with everything, okay? Thank you so much, Cindy. Thanks okay. for having me. All right. Thanks, listeners. And be sure to let others know about the show. The minute it is finished, it is a blog. It is there. All you have to do is send people to um, spiritseeker.com, and then there's the icon for Blog Talk up on the top. There's over 450 wonderful shows. They're podcasts. You can download them and listen to them. Okay, thank you so much. Have a great week. Namaste, everyone. Okay, good night.